And uh, we're going to read from uh, John chapter 1, verse 6, and uh, read all the way to verse 8, and then we're going to skip over to verse 19 and read through verse 34 this morning. And it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came, bear, came, but came to bear witness about the light. And then all the way down to 19. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. They said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. and They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ or Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks, me, ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but... For this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness to this is the, that this is the Son of God. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. So as I said, uh, we, we're, we're looking at a bigger chunk of scripture here. And the reason why we're doing that is because it's focused on John the Baptist. And, uh, and this morning, I, I wanted the focus to be on, on uh, not, not John the Baptist and to say that we're going to just look at him. But we're going to look at a piece of his character and, and, and his calling and we're going to see what kind of witness John the Baptist was for Christ. And in doing so, um, I, want us, I want that to challenge us to be a, a tremendous witness for Christ. And uh, so that's why we selected the, that's why I selected the passage that we were going to go over. Um, next week, we're going to bring it back down and we're going to get back to verse 9 and, and start looking at that. Um, as well, so we're not skipping over that part. That's too that's too important of a, of a passage to just to skip over. Um, but we're going to come back to that and talk about that next week. I think that this sermon is 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 really timely in the fact that um, as Christians we can always be reminded about our witness and and what we who we are called to be. In the light of living in this world, we 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 lose sight of that, and we cannot afford to. Every single day, we must be about our Father's business. So I think it's a great reminder for us to hear it from the pulpit, hear it from the Word of God, of, of our calling that God has given us uh, to be a witness uh, to the light. 
And when we talk about this witness to the light, we talk about John the Baptist. Here's what we know about, about John according to the text I just read. First of all, he was sent from God. Okay? He was sent from God. Uh, he came as a witness. And if he came as a witness, then his calling was to bear witness about the light. We'll talk about that and what that means. Um, the Bible is very specific to say that he was not the light. Uh, John the Baptist in himself, he, he had disciples. And we'll talk about how exceptional of a man he was. He wasn't just a man who, um, a, a normal, un, a common man. Um, I'll, I'll talk about what's uncommon about him. But because of the ministry that God gave him, he had disciples that were following him. So there was some confusion as to, hey, who are you really? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the Christ? And John said no to all those. So the Bible is very specific to say that he was not the light. In other words, he was not the Messiah. Uh, he prepared the way for Christ. He preached repentance. He preached repentance. And even, even more, he preached repentance to the nation of Israel who thought they did not need to repent. Okay? And then also, he baptized uh, a baptism of repentance. And this was not the same baptism that we baptize with today. We do not baptize with John, John the Baptist baptism. Uh, rather, we, we, baptize, we baptize each other in Christ. Uh, John's baptism was more of a ceremonial baptism as he was preparing the way. Uh, the, Baptist, the baptism that we receive from the Lord is a baptism, is a spiritual baptism. The Lord changes our hearts. He changes our hearts and, and gives us a new heart. Um, so we also know that John's birth was uh, special. When we look at the other Gospels, we see that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And that's what I mean about him being an uncommon man. Um, now, we can look at that and we can know, so John, wasn't, he wasn't sinless. That, that's not the case. He wasn't sinless, and we know that because there's only one who was sinless. But we still have to recognize that John the Baptist himself was, uh, was born with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean exactly? Well, that's not something we're going to dissect today. But we just know that God gave him that portion of the Spirit when he was born because that's what he was called to. Okay? He was called to prepare the way uh, for the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. So his calling was special in that it was prophesied about. Um, Luke chapter 1, and I want to read this, verse 76 through 79. Luke chapter 1, verse 76 through 79. This is the prophecy of John the Baptist. It says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. And in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. So that's that's the prophecy that was given of John the Baptist, um, someone who would prepare the way uh, for the Messiah. So he was but so we have to come back and recognize he was only a man. He was only a man. He was not sinless. He was only a man. But yet he had a very he was a very uncommon man. Because we can look through the pages of Scripture and, and it's very uncommon to find someone born with the Holy Spirit. So he was an uncommon man, but he was a man uh, with an uncommon calling. So when we look at, uh, 
we look at John the Baptist, we can have a sense of what we were called to do also. Now, it's not the same. Uh, he was, a, like I said, an uncommon man with an uncommon calling to prepare the way for the Messiah. And when we look at his life and when we look at his ministry, uh, we can all learn what it truly means to bear witness to Christ. Now, us, we're, we're not uncommon. In fact, we're common. And when I say we're common, I mean I'm comparing us to each other. We're, we're common. We were all born the same way. We were born in sin, and Christ saved us. Amen? So we were born in sin. We needed somebody to save us, and, 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 and God came in and saved us, and he gave us a new heart, and, and he, he did all that in us. He did his work in us and, and uh, made us upright, and we were able to uh, walk in, in good fruit, and we were walking the Spirit, all those wonderful things. So we are common in the sense that that's how we're different from John the Baptist. But I will say this, like John, we have an uncommon calling. And what I mean by that is that we, don't, we do not have the same calling as the world. We are told that we are set apart. We are set apart. We are, to, we are not to be like the world. And, and that we were made for God's good pleasure. And that God made us uh, with, with the work that he was going to do already in us. It was already prepared in us. So we get all these things from scripture that makes our calling uncommon. But we're not like John the Baptist where we're, we're preparing the way for the Messiah. But rather, our uncommon calling is that we are pointing to the way. Right? We're pointing to the way. We're pointing to Christ. We're not preparing the way, but rather we are pointing people to the way to God. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're pointing people to that. That's what it means to be a witness. People try to find salvation in a whole bunch of things, but we're here to say that there's only, there's only, there's salvation is only in, in, in one person, and that is, that is in Jesus Christ. So that's our job. That's our uncommon calling. As Christians, and here's a sermon summary, as Christians, our ministry is to bear witness to Christ. That's what it means for us. We are to, 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 to bear witness. It's not just about bearing witness to our own testimonies. Or it's not about being, bearing witness to how bad we used to be and how good we are now. Although traditionally that's what sometimes uh, bearing witness means to people. You see, bearing witness is really not about us, but it's about God. It's about us not pointing to ourselves and saying, hey, you know, you need to recognize how bad I was and how good I am now. It's not about that, but rather it's us pointing people to Christ and saying, he's, he's the one. He's the one. He is the way. So in saying that, there's a question I want to start off with, and then I'll get into the body of the sermon, but... The question is, what kind of witness are you for Christ? And I, I want that to sink in this morning. I want, you, I, want the, I want you to ask yourself that question as we're going through this sermon. What kind of witness are you for Christ? I think that's very important for us to think about. Because when we look at the life of John the Baptist, the very first thing that we, we, we see in him is that he was convinced that Jesus was Lord. He was completely convinced. He was convinced there was... Um, there was no, 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 no doubt. There was, 
uh, no issues. As soon as he saw Christ, he proclaimed him as Lord. What about us? What about us? As witnesses, we must believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. We have to start there. And you might say, Pastor, that's really simple. That's like fundamental. I think we all know that, but do we really? Do we really? That is the most important thing. If we are going to be a witness to Christ, then we must believe in him as our Lord and Savior. See, because to be a witness to something, you have to have personal knowledge of it. You have to have personal knowledge of it. You, if you're going to talk about somebody in, in, in the way where you're pointing people to them, you cannot point to uh, someone you don't know. Not in, not in the sense that we're talking about. So you have to have personal knowledge of Christ. And not only that, but it has to go beyond the knowledge that you have of Christ, but, but rather you also have to have experienced his saving power. Because you can't tell others about his saving power if you yourself have not been changed by it. You know, when I was uh, a baby, my mother had bought me a Bible, and I still have it today, and it's a picture Bible. And um, years ago, before I, I, even before I started pastoring this church, I was, I was starting to preach. And years ago, I was digging through that Bible. And at that time in my life, I was considering uh, I was considering preaching, and uh, God had placed it on my heart for a long time, and I, it had been a conviction of mine that hadn't gone away, and I was considering preaching and looking through that Bible. I don't know why, but I was looking through it. Inside the Bible was a piece of paper. In that paper was the same verse that I read you from Luke chapter 1 on the call of John the Baptist, and um, if you don't know, uh, my mother passed away years ago. She passed away in 2004 from uh, breast cancer, and uh, uh, so she's been gone a long time. When I started preaching, it was about, it was around that time, but when I really got into preaching, it was about 2005, 2006. And I, I was doubting my calling a lot at that time. And as I was looking through this Bible that she had got me, I, I found a piece of paper folded up. It was just folded, I don't know how many times, and I opened it up, and it was her writing, and I saw it. And all it said was the verse at the very bottom, it said, amen. And, you know, so I I wasn't aware until many years later that this verse would solidify my calling to preach. You see, what's awesome about the Lord is his providence. And I don't want to make this mystical or anything like that, but the Lord, his his providence is is tremendous. As I think about, about what my mom wrote down in that Bible, or in that Bible for me to read, I think about God and his providence, how he used my mother as a vessel to write down that verse and and how uh, he put it in that Bible where I would eventually see it, not just see it, but see it at the right time. Open it up, read it. And then all of a sudden it's an encouragement, encouragement for me to preach the word. It gave me the faith to step into into those shoes. And I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. Because that's what he does with his word. His word is tremendous. As I think about that, I know I had seen that paper in there before as a little kid. I had that Bible with me the whole time. 
So I had seen it before, but I, I didn't understand the passage. It wasn't until I became a believer that I understood that I was to be a witness for Christ. And, and God has called me to preach and teach primarily and, and also shepherd the flock. But, but as, I, as I, I look at how I'm a witness, it's through preaching and teaching. See, the point is, I didn't understand what I was supposed to do for the Lord until I knew the Lord. When I came to know the Lord, I saw the passage and I understood it, not because I'm a very brilliant guy, but because the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to it. I understood it. It was what I needed at that time. God always gives us what we need when we need it. Especially when we're talking about his word. So it gave me faith to preach. See, if we're going to be a witness for Christ, we must first believe that he is Lord and Savior. We must, we must first believe that he is Lord and Savior to understand that we are called to be a witness. Now, I'm not saying you're called to be the same witness that I am. It, not everybody's going to be up here preaching and teaching. We're all, you know, we are all different parts, one body. But we must understand that we are all called to witness. We're all called to witness. I love the passage because John says in our passage that he is, speaking of Christ, that he is the true light. Meaning he is the, uh, he is the only one who is genuinely holy. I, I, I love that description of God. When, when you talk about something that's true, it's genuine. So he is the true light. When the Bible talks about light, especially in, 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 the, in the Gospel of John, it's talking about his holiness. He is the one who is genuinely holy. He is the only one. If we are going to be a witness to Christ, we must know him who is the only one who is genuinely holy. And we must know him as Lord and Savior, and that's where it starts for us. I think there are plenty of, there are plenty of people, when you talk about God's universal church, there are thousands of people who are members of, of, of God's, God's church who don't know him. And when I say universal, I just, you know what, I need to back up. I need to say members of churches. There are plenty, thousands of people who are members of churches and don't know him. For whatever reason, they don't know him. They were taught something else. They, 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 they think they know him, but they don't know him. And it reflects in what kind of witness they are for Christ. John the Baptist believed wholeheartedly that Christ was the Messiah. And his belief in, in what his calling was and what he was told to do, it drove his conviction Listen to these passages. This is chapter 1, verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Last week we talked about John chapter 1 and how in the beginning was the word. That's, what, that's exactly what John the Baptist is referring to. That he was before me, he, was, he, always, he always is. He is the great I am. John the Baptist also said in verse 25 and through 27, they asked him, then who are you, uh, who, excuse me, they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, 
the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to untie. Then in verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then finally in verses 32 to 34, we see another verse that shows us John's conviction. And John bore witness. He said, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. See, I use those passages as an example that when we know Christ, when we truly know Christ as Lord and Savior, we can't help but be a witness of him. We can't help but say, I know the only one who is genuinely holy. I know him, and you need to know him too. That's where it all starts. John the Baptist's passion to tell the world of Christ was fueled by that conviction that Christ was the Lamb of God, that he was the Savior of the world. A person will never have that kind of conviction if he himself is not convinced of that. So I asked you a question before we started. What kind of witness are you for Christ? I think that's a very important question when we're, when we're looking at that because if you never talk about Christ to anybody else, then I'm going to challenge you this morning and ask you, are you a Christian? Because if we are Christians, if we are truly converted, if we're, if we're saying God has changed our hearts and God has given us passion for what gives him the light, if we're saying that we are walking after Christ, because that's what we're saying when we're calling ourselves a Christian, if we're saying that he is our Lord and our Savior, and we do not witness, and we are not a witness for him, are we really a Christian? We have to start there. We have to start. We have to recognize that it is, when we are a Christian, that it is the Holy Spirit who is working in us to do that. Is the Holy Spirit working in us to share Christ? As I said, a person will never have that kind of conviction if he himself is not convinced that Jesus is Lord. You know, in today's society, we love telling people about all kind of different things. It's important for us to know first so that we can tell others. That's the kind of world we live in. And, and there's, there's no better example than the food that we eat, right? If we go to a place and we eat something that is just wonderful, what do we do? Nowadays, we grab our phone, right? Grab our phone, we take it out, and we start taking pictures of it. Start taking pictures of it. And if, if, 
you know, if we want to get ourselves in a picture, you get by your plate and you're pointing at it or you're doing something, taking pictures of it. What do we do with those pictures? We put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Put it all over the place for people to see. Snapchat, thank you, honey. And what do we do? We say, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. What are we doing that for? So that we can let others know. You need to come to this place. And you need to try this. You need to have this. It's the best thing. Believe me, trust me. We're willing to do that with everything. We drive a car that we like. We're going to put it out there. We're going to advertise for it. We have shoes that we buy, we like. We take pictures and we put it out there. So it's not that we're, we don't know how to do it. It's not that, you know, we're ashamed of sharing things. But how about, we do that with food, but how about our Lord and Savior? How about that? You see, because for some reason when it comes to being a witness for Christ, that becomes personal. Well, that's just about me. It's just personal. But Christ never said, hey, just keep me personal. That was, that was nothing he said. In fact, we are told the opposite. We are told to go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're to do this until I return. But when it comes to Christ or what some people say religion it's like well this is my personal thing and we categorize it with politics religion and politics that's that's my personal thing but that's not what the bible says so again I ask you what kind of witness are you for Christ second thing as a witness not only do we have to be though we have to realize that that Christ is Lord and Savior, but also we have to realize that we are set apart for the work of God. I think that comes close, close second to us being born again new believers because that comes right after. We have to realize that we are set apart for his work. As soon as I became a Christian, and I'm not bragging about myself at all because sometimes this works against me, but as soon as I became a Christian, I had a desire to work for the Lord. And as I said, that's not bragging because that's also a, a, a crutch. That is a thorn on my side that I have to deal with. Because I have to remember that what the Lord has done for me, that work is finished. I can't add anything to it. And sometimes I wrongly take pride in my work. That is sinful of me. So I want to make sure that you understand I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'm just telling you a true fact is that I believe and work and as I became a Christian, I went to work. I started, didn't know anything about the Bible, but I started in extended sessions. Didn't know anything. I partnered up with my wife, and she can testify to this, that I, I really didn't teach anything. I just made the kids laugh. And I did whatever else she needed help for me to do. If I had to make go copies, I went to go make copies. Alicia was raised in a church. I wasn't. Alicia is the reason why I went to church. But the Lord saved me through that. But I got to work right away, extended session. And then 
And then from there, it was like, you know, yeah, this is great. This is good. I need to learn more and I need, you know, I need to grow. And then from extended session, it went to youth ministry. From youth ministry, it went to pastoral ministry as an associate pastor. Then from that to senior pastor, and I stand before you today. And I, I thank the Lord that as soon as I was saved, he gave me that desire to work. And as I think about that, I come to understand that that's what it means to be set apart. As I said, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal because every Christian should be the same. After we come to know the Lord and he works in us, he gives us the desire to please him. He gives us that desire. And if he has given us that desire, guess what we're going to do? We're going to get to work. We're going to get to work because we recognize that we are set apart for him. And we are set apart for the work of God. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, you cannot tell me that the Lord is telling you, just take it easy. Can I get an amen? If you delight yourself in the Lord, if you have delighted yourself in the Lord, you can't tell me that the Lord is saying, don't talk about me. You know what? Just take time to yourself. Don't worry about your family. Don't worry about the church. Don't worry about the people around you who need the gospel. Don't worry about anything. That cannot be true if we have delighted ourselves in the Lord. Because the Bible says he gives us the desires of our hearts. Now, don't read that wrong. Don't read it as, oh, he's going to give me what I want. No, not in that sense. He actually gives you the desires you have. Once you delight yourself in him. And if he's going to do that, he's going to let you know that you are set apart for his work and he's going to put the desire to work for him in your heart. Listen to these words from the Gospel of John. There was a man sent from God. A man sent from God. This is verse 6 and 8, or 6 through 8. Whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, notice the calling here. He was sent from God. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe. Four things. Let me repeat them. First of all, he was sent from God. Second, he came as a witness. Third, to bear witness about the light. Fourth, that all might believe through him. I want you to know that the same is true for us. I want to make it personal. You yourself, you were sent from God. We know that we are not of this place. That's no secret. The Bible tells us that we are not from here. This is not our home. That we're journeying here, but one day we are going to go back home. So you were sent from God. Not in the same sense that John the Baptist was. You weren't born with the Holy Spirit. But yet, you were sent from God. That means God created you for a specific purpose. So you were sent from God. And the reason why you were sent from God was to bear 
you came as a witness. You came as a witness to Christ. And to do what? To bear witness about the light. And the reason? That all might believe through Christ. So there we have the Christian's calling. We are sent from God. We came to, as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And what that saying is that all might believe through Christ. You see, my friends, when you realize that you are set apart for the Lord, then you truly understand what your lives should be about. See, you must point people to the light. For he is the only true hope that they have in life and death. The Bible says, whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. That is the only true hope that we all have, and we need to point people to that true hope and that true light. So let me ask you some questions. If you're a member of this church, why are you a member of this church? If you're not a member, or this actually goes to both. If you're not a member, but you're visiting, and you're a member, why do you come to church? And thirdly, why do you serve? I think those are three important questions. Why are you a member of this church? Why do you come to church, and why do you serve? See, there are many benefits from church. There are many benefits from being a member of a church and working in a church. First of all, there's the, the sweetness of Christian fellowship. Believe it or not, that alone brings people. Because there's a sweetness to it. It's a wonderful thing when it's done genuinely. People walk into a church and they, they feel genuine Christian fellowship. They're like, We're, I want to be a member here. Because that attracts, that attracts people. It's like honey with bees. It's like, that's sweet. I want, I want that. There is encouragement in prayer. We come to church because we need prayer. Unfortunately, there are some that only come to church when they need prayer. But there are a lot of people who come to church regardless, and one of the things that they get out of church is the encouragement they get from prayer. They come and, hey, I know I'm going to have this genuine fellowship where people care about me, and they're going to they're pray with me, and that's an encouragement to me. Not only that, but there's also people who are like-minded that's wonderful there's also purpose in our work we want to know that we're doing something that's beyond us not just for ourselves and then also we get to learn about God and there's this wonder about God and you get to hear you get to hear uh, if, if you go to a faithful church that's teaching what the Bible says you get to hear who God is what he's like what he expects of you People love that as well. See, all these things are good and godly. But I want to say this. If these things are not done as worship, they are in vain. They are good and godly, but we must remember that we serve in order to bear witness to the true light that gives life. And then the last thing. As a witness, we must ensure our testimony is true. When you talk about a testimony, in Baptist life, a testimony is this. A testimony is, hey, I want to get up there and I want to talk about what God has done for me. That, that's what a testimony is in Baptist life. I, I, I want to 
tweak that definition a little bit for you. A testimony is not only what you say, but it's what you do. It's your life. Okay, we use that word to describe, I want to get up and say something about the Lord. But I want everyone to recognize that our testimony is, is what we speak and what we say, everything that we do. It is who we proclaim to be through our words and actions. So a testimony is the confirmation of your belief. Okay, that's very important because if you say, I am a Christian, then your life, your words, and everything should e equate to that. It's confirmation of what you believe. If you say, I'm not a Christian, then the same thing happens. It should, it should confirm that. Your testimony should confirm that. So our testimony is a confirmation of our belief. It is how we carry out what we believe. If our testimony is true, then there will be good fruit. If not, obviously there will be bad fruit. In verse 19, John was questioned about who he was. Here's his answer. He says, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I love John's answer, because John's answer, number one, was faithful. He came to bear witness about the light. Here's his opportunity. Hey, who are you? Who are you? I always love that question because it makes me nervous and it excites me at the same time. Because it's like, who are you? And it's like, wow, how can I answer that? Do you really want to know who I am? Because who I am begins with, I am a Christian. And that opens up the door for a lot of conversations. But most people don't mean that. They mean like, where do you work or who are you associated with? But with John, they asked him, who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? He said, no, no, no. He said, I am the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he stood firm on that. His testimony was questioned. Now, I think that's a great example for us because as Christians, Sometimes we talk a good game about our faith in Christ and how much of a witness we are. But unfortunately, that's all on Facebook. We, we pass messages on about, hey, I'm not ashamed of Christ. And we're big and bold on, on the screen. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. But then in person, we're a quiet little mouse. God has called us to be bold in our witness he expects our testimony to be true and when we are questioned when we are challenged what do we do do we cower behind do we cower behind and just say never mind I'm not going to say anything or do we stand up for God's truth John's answer was faithful, it was true, and guess what? It was dangerous. Proclaiming who he was to prepare the way for the Messiah could have gone a whole lot of different ways. But despite that, John stayed true to his testimony, and he said, this is who I am. When we look at his example, it's cool because he was a godly man with a godly message to a sinful generation, and that's who we are to be. We are to be godly people with a godly message to a sinful 
generation. Not to elevate ourselves or to make ourselves look any good, but we're pointing people to the way. In fact, we didn't even get here because of ourselves. We're pointing people to the way of how we got here. As a witness, our testimony is vital in showing that our message is true. And I'm here to tell you that even though there will be times when you're afraid, do not be afraid. Find courage in the one in whom you believe. Find courage in him. Do not be afraid to be a witness to this world. Is it difficult? It is very difficult. But it's necessary. Christian, that's what you were called to do. You were called to be a witness. You must share Christ. You must. And believe me, I'm not a preacher who just doesn't understand what you're going through. All my years in ministry, except for the last two months, I, I worked. I worked out there in the public. I had a job, too. Every single day, I realized the challenges that are met out there. I recognize the difficulties that are out there. And you know what? It's difficult. I recognize that it's easier to call yourself a Christian in church than it is in public. But that's who we are called to be. That's who we are. And when God gives us those opportunities, we must share Christ. And we must be a witness for him. And there are a lot of different places where you can work that are very dark. I worked in the oil field. That is darker than dark. But yet the Lord shined through. So has your testimony... Has your testimony been true? Does it reflect who Christ is to you, and that is Lord and Savior? You see, your testimony must reflect both things. As I said, first of all, it must reflect that he is Lord of your life, meaning that you walk in obedience to his word. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. So your testimony must be true in that way. But he is also your Savior, and your testimony must be true in that way where you tell people and you You're very open about this, and this is what the gospel is about. Yes, I am saved, but I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, and I needed to be saved, and he was the only one who could truly save me. And the person I am today, believe me, it's not because of me. It is only because of what the Lord has done. And he can do the same for you. That's what a true testimony does. So let me ask you, I'm going to end with these two questions. If not, if, if your testimony is not true and it does not reflect who Christ is to you, I want to ask what sin is holding you back? What sin is holding you back from doing what you were sent by God to do? Second of all, if, you, if your testimony is true, I want you to check yourself on the goal of your service. Is the goal of your service 
that people might believe in God through Christ. Because both need to be true in order for your testimony to be true. Let us pray. Father, we